Welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast with Paul Fagan and Jody Fisher. This is the podcast for all dads who want to succeed with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. Now here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hey Jody, how you doing today? Hello Paul, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Um, today's topic... One of these days I'm going to ask you your secret to fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I had an old colleague that uh, used to say that word a lot years and years and years ago real nice guy but that was his tagline everything was fantastic that's great Uh, so that's where i think i it came from uh but such a great guy uh um, today's topic is budget is budgeting secrets right the tips and tricks we've learned to create budgets that work for us and and we have to put an overall disclaimer here we're going to talk about what we do that works for our budget so uh, it may not work for you the idea is take away from it what you think, and th- if you think it'll work in your scenario, give it a try. Uh, Jody, you'd agree with that, right? Yeah, this is the this is the tips and tricks uh, episode of, of the podcast here. So take what works, leave what doesn't. Absolutely. Uh, but first, let's talk about some news we saw this past week. Okay, so the first story is an interesting one. It's from Inc.com, and the headline is, Kids Who Do Chores Are More Successful Adults. When your kids balk, science is on your side. So I thought this was an interesting article. Um, of course, I guess the, the whole thing is around the pitch-in mindset, right? Raising, uh, raising an adult is what they're talking about in this article. Um, and I thought it was a, a pretty decent article. They give some statistical stats around the Harvard study, a long-running longitudinal study in history. Uh, researchers identify two things that people need in order to be happy and successful. And the two are love and work ethic, which I was kind of surprised. Uh, Jody, what was your take on this story? I love this story. Uh, I love that the first most important thing is love. We have a big sign hanging in our living room that's a quote from the Beatles. All you need is love. Love is all you need. It's really the truth. And we don't mean love like in a touchy-feely, huggy, mushy kind of way. Love like respect, like look you in the eye um, do the thing you said you were going to do, treat each other equally kind of love. Um, and the second being work ethic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got to work in life. Nothing comes for free. I tell my kids that all the time. You want something, you got two legs, get up and go get it. And I mean that both literally sometimes, and I mean that figuratively sometimes, you know, the, you know, the world is not Amazon. It's not going to deliver things to your door. You got to go get stuff. We love Amazon. Don't get me wrong, but we, you know, you got to go get stuff in life. So I like this article a lot. Um, I love the uh, the scary mommy bit down at the bottom there. Um, I work with some mommy bloggers, and so I, I particularly appreciate this. Um, but you know, she notes the fact that you know while you're teaching your kids to do chores and you know all that kind of stuff, don't forget all the stuff we got to beg our kids to do day in day out. <laughs> I actually took the tactic I started a couple of years ago um, of you know, little, little incentivizing my kids, uh, with chores, you know, when I paid them a dollar a week, if they took out the garbage, um, that figure has gone up a little bit, but the idea being get start to get them in the habit of doing things. Um, so yes, I, I did a little incentivizing up front, but I tried to do that in order to build in this concept of, you got to go around and collect the garbage. You got to pick up the stuff off the floor. You got to, you know, all these other things. Because I think if you're constantly coming down on kids on do this, do that, do that, they just zone out. So uh, little incentivization in our house. 
Yeah, I'd have to agree. I, I don't know if we have an incentive program, but our kids are pretty good at when you ask them uh, to do it. Uh, they usually do it. So my son, especially, he's a little older. He does his own laundry. If we ask him to take out the garbage or do something, he usually does it on that first ask. Um, so it, it works out pretty well for us. So um, the next story that we're going to jump to is by uh, ABC6, uh, one of these on your side uh, stories. And, and the headline is very simple. How to pay off holiday debt. Right, so it's appropriate. We're in January at the taping of this podcast. Taping, I can't believe I said taping. Recording of this you podcast. You Yes, but <laughs> by tape recorder, like we're sitting here with our tape recorder clicking Back buttons. Back in my day, when we used to run the reel-to-reel recorder. Absolutely. So <laughs> we are we are recording this digitally. So we we have jumped into the uh, into this century. So. Um, but the, the, the gist of the story, I think, is pretty straightforward, uh, making sure that, you know, you're paying off these credit cards, getting them done. Uh, for me, I would have hoped that people did their budgeting uh, earlier before Christmas and paid for things in cash and didn't have to wake up with that credit card debt hanging around their neck for January. But I guess when, then when that happens, you have to uh, roll up your sleeves and start knocking down that debt. Jody, what's your take on this story? Yeah, this is a pretty straightforward article. I just wanted to pull it out because I thought it was timely, and you hit it right. The, you know what they're saying is okay. If you racked up credit card debt, you got to figure out a way to pay it off. Um, doesn't go into a lot of detail here, but I think it, I, I liked it because it's also a nice segue into what we're going to talk about today. Yep, and I think we're going to jump right into it, right? So our weekly topic, as we had discussed, is budgeting secrets. Uh, my current situation with budgeting, and we've talked about this in many different podcasts. I manage at the macro level, you manage at the micro level. Uh, For me, my my, guess my secret, which I've talked about before, is I have, I use the power of Microsoft Excel. Um, It could be the power of numbers on your Macintosh, whatever kind of spreadsheet program, Google Google has their spreadsheet, um, whatever works for you. But I like the, the power that these applications, these financial applications give you in terms of being able to lay your your thoughts and your money out methodically in an ordered fashion. Um, I've talked about this in the past. My spreadsheet has about 14 different tabs in it. I enter key data points into the first tab and it auto calcs through the rest of the tabs. Now I've come up with a more complex use for the way I handle my, uh, my finances and I actually the main tab within that spreadsheet is called the family dashboard. And within there I have all these different calculations on one view where I could see college savings and how we're tracking, and I could see the worth of my home and what the latest uh, balance sheet are is in terms of uh, expenses versus income. So there's a lot of different things that I pull out of that Excel sheet. I use other tools, but that's probably my most favorite tool, and that's probably my budgeting secret, is I use the power of a spreadsheet to really allow me to customize my reporting and and understand the uh, my finance is better. It's been a journey of iteration. So when I started that spreadsheet, it was probably one spreadsheet with two columns and you know there was you know assets and liabilities. Um, but over time, I've learned to use it and learned to use it more and more and more. So it's, it's coming quite handy. Two other non-related specific budgeting things that I do, but I think do help in the overall financial picture uh, day to day is one, I keep a folder in a centralized place for all tax-related paperwork that I receive throughout a year. So if I'm paying 
real estate taxes or making a donation. Um, anything that's related to taxes goes into this folder. It's in our home office in a specific location. And me and my wife have a distinct understanding that everything goes into that folder. So when tax time comes, there is no hunting around for paperwork. Everything the is in one scramble. spot. That mad scramble. Yep, and I, I am going to say with with assurity, I have not done that in 15, 20 years. I know exactly where my paperwork is. So in February, when I go to do my taxes, I pull that folder out, I empty it on the desk, I start sorting the paperwork, but I know with a high degree of confidence, everything I need to file my taxes is in that folder. So that's one of my tips. Um, the second one is related, and I call it the concept of the bill bucket. And the reason why we call it that is a long time ago when me and my wife first started living together, um, the mail would be in different spots within the home. And there was a couple of times where bills were lost and uh, we'd get a second bill and say, well, you didn't pay the first bill. And so I came up with this concept. I found this old painter's paper bucket uh, left over from when we painted the apartment and I put a big sign on it and I called it Bill Bucket. And we just made sure and I said, "Hun, let's just put everything, any mail comes in, put it in the bucket. Any bills comes into the bucket. Now, you could toss away the other things, but anything bill related goes in here so we know how to track it. And over the years, we've had a laugh over it. And my wife, maybe two years after the bill bucket, she bought a wicker slotted basket that is now the new bill bucket, which we've had for over, oh, over 20 years. Same, she, upgrade, same she upgraded the bill bucket. There upgraded you go. the bill bucket because the old one was just a mess. And and, and it's it was quite the upgrade. And it just sits. And underneath the bill bucket, guess what's underneath that bill bucket? The pile of money. Nope. The tax folder. So the tax folder is underneath the bill bucket, right? So it's all in one spot. And and I got to be honest with you, we, we, I don't think, I can't remember the last time we ever missed paying a bill on time. And I can't remember the last time I didn't have a piece of tax paperwork. So those are my uh, budgeting secrets. Two are sort of not budgeting secrets, but will help you in terms of, making sure your budget is timely. And, and the, the other one is the power of, of spreadsheets. So Jody, I'll let you jump into your side because I know I'm looking at your notes and you have a lot of great granular tips and tricks here that I'd love to hear about and maybe I could take some away for my personal finances. Yeah, we, so I, I get really nitty gritty on this stuff and, and you, people may want to strap in here. But before I do that, <laughs> um, I, wanna, I wanna salute you, Paul, and your wife uh, for creating the system that you have that works for you because I think that's um, uh, sort of an umbrella statement here and we made it at the top but you've got to create a system that works for you but also that works for you in a practical way I mean you've created a, a dynamic between the two of you sort of created these habits right where the bills go in the bucket the tax documents go in the tax folder and those are sort of cardinal rules that never get broken and because that's the only way you're going to be able to function, right? So you got to set those up, you got to set up those rules, and then you got to stick to them. And I think that's a really important thing to acknowledge here. No matter what you do with your budget, you got to create those systems and stick to them. Because if you break those rules, they're no good. Um, interesting concept, uh, especially for the, the world that we live in today. Um, but yeah, so like you said, Paul, I'm a micro budgeter um, and, and I have my, my Google sheet. You have your Excel spreadsheet, I have my Google sheet. Um, 
And I'm not worried about keeping it on Google. Maybe a a footnote here too, you know, in terms of keeping things in the cloud and stuff like that. um, I have no problem keeping my Google sheet in the cloud because it's all just numbers. There's no account numbers in there and there's no, you know, specific uh, security, anything in there. So it's just a bunch of numbers. Um, And it works for me because then I can access it from wherever I am. And so I use a, a spreadsheet. Uh, on on the computer like you do, Paul. Um, if you work better in paper, great work in paper. But the idea is to write everything down. Um, I have an insane amount of detail in my my budget spreadsheet, um, and the the approach that I take is that everything I can predict, I will budget for. Um, it doesn't matter how small it is. Now that is where I am today. As you said, Paul, that's an evolution, right? Well, uh, if I rewind the clock 10, 12, 15 years, um, my my spreadsheet was very simple. You know, it was um, it was it was the big stuff. It was the mortgage and the electrical bill and, you know, all that all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and it was the, the inflows and the outflows. So it still stayed inflows and outflows. It's just that there's a lot more detail in there so I can see in a very granular way what's coming in, what's coming out, and when. And I think that's an important thing too. The way I run my, my spreadsheet is dates along the top um, according to pay period, but I basically set it up week to week to week every Friday. That's when, when generally when money comes in and when bills go out. And then down the left-hand side is in categories um, money coming in and money going out. And so I'm, I'm able to set that up in a very granular way. Um, regardless of how you do it, I think there's a couple secrets that I would love to pass along um, that have worked for me, that I've developed over the years and that have worked for me. Um, secret number one is breaking big payments into smaller ones. Now, that's probably nothing miraculous. Um, but the idea being is that you've got to make sure that when you get to the end of the month or you get to the first of the month, whatever that is, I'm thinking of specifically of a house payment, right? Mm-hmm. So if you've got a mortgage or a rent bill, you know, typically that's several hundred, if not several thousand dollars. Um, you don't just turn around on a dime in week four or week one of the month and just grab that money. You've got to set that money aside. So what I've done is I've set up a budget that takes out a, um, the the properly calculated amount of money for that week, and so it adds up each week over the course of the month to get me my full amount that I'm going to need at the end of the month to pay. Um, and I auto-draft that into uh, a separate savings account where it sits. It collects a diddly a little amount of interest, but it does you know collect pennies. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sits there in a sort of a lockbox savings account, and it gets to the end of the month, and I just draw it down. That way, I know it's it's out of my checking account. I'm not going to spend it accidentally. I'm not going to you know violate it or dip into it in any way, and it's always going to be there. Um, the um, the added bonus to that, and this is going to come around to secret number five that I have, is that if you set that up, you know, let's say let's say your house payment is I'm just going to round it off. Let's say your house payment is two thousand dollars a month. Well, typically there are four weeks in a month, right? So that's five hundred dollars a week. Five thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand. You get to the end of the month, you got your two thousand bucks. A few times a year, you're going to run into those. If you get paid weekly, you're going to run into those five week month pay periods, right? Yes. Or or biweekly, there's you know you're going to get a third week, you know, third paycheck in a month if you're paid biweekly. 
if you're budgeting week in and week out or every pay, you know, every other week, weekend, week out, there are going to be a couple times a year where you're going to auto draft that extra money and you're not going to use it. And it's going to get thrown into that savings account and just sit there. And then at the end of the year, you got this little pile of it could be a thousand to that, depending on how much your, your, your budget is. It could be a thousand dollars. It could be two thousand dollars Could completely accidentally have ended up there just because you've budgeted pay period to pay period to pay period to pay that house payment. So it's sort of this wonderful accidental way of saving. Um, and I just let it stay in there anyway. And, and that account just builds up and then maybe someday we'll, you know, turn around and have 10 grand in there or something and say, Hey, look at that. Um, but the idea being is that the money's always there and you're always putting the money aside for those big bills that you're going to need. Now I've gone down from my house payment, my mortgage payment down into things as minimal as, uh, our gym membership and drafting uh -huh. out, you know, 20 bucks a week for the gym membership and then auto and then drafting it back into the checking account when that gym membership hits, um, do it according to your, uh, comfort level. But I would say take advantage of breaking payments that you know are going to come in week in, week out, and, and drafting them into a separate savings account where you can then draw that money down. So then you know that the money that's sitting in your checking account is money that you're not going to need to depend on for a bill that's coming due later that month. That's secret number one. Um, secret number two that I use, put cash in your pocket every week instead of swiping your debit card. Now, we don't use credit cards for, um, for anything with the exception of like a large purchase, like if we buy a couch, you know, or a TV and you buy it and, you know, just in case you need to return it kind of thing. But we always have money put aside to immediately pay that bill, but we'll buy it on the credit card. So it's not messing with our budget. Um, but what I've also done is I, I've realized that, uh, you know, mostly my wife running around with the kids all week, but uh, both of us on the weekends, you know, you get into situations where you're swiping, you need $5 here and $10 there and 20 bucks, you're swiping 20 bucks there, or you're grabbing lunch or whatever. And all that stuff adds up. So we developed a system to put $100 a week into my wife's uh, wallet. It's cash. It sits there. It's hers to do whatever she wants with. And it's not for her nails or her hair or the thing that she needs to buy or groceries or whatever. The thing that's things that she need to buy that are part of the budget. It's just for her. It's also implied that it's meant for, you know, that, those five and ten dollar charges for the kids when she needs to do that. What that does is it limits the amount of times you're going to be swiping each month. And it, so it puts a cap on the amount of uh, spontaneous money that you're going to be spending during the week. Now, if your number is 50 bucks, great. If your number is $200, you know, have at it. But the idea being put the cash in your wallet, spend the cash. When the cash is gone, it's gone. And you know, again, you haven't violated your budget. You're not putting yourself at a disadvantage and turning around and, you know, seeing $250 worth of swipes in a week and going, what did I buy? Um, controlling your outflow, really, really important. Um, secret number three that I use round your expenses up and round your income down. Hmm. Um, what I mean by that is, uh, and I mean this specifically, let's take the mortgage, for example. You know, we all have this house payment that's a weird number, right? It's like $1,376.43 or whatever. I always take that number and I round it up to the nearest hundred. Hmm. So, so, so what I'm doing, and then I'm paying that 
that that is my mortgage payment every month. So I'm rounding my number up to the next hundred, and I'm paying an extra. I don't know. I think it's like twenty four dollars a month. Um, but you do twenty four times twelve, and that's not an insignificant amount of money. Um, what I'm also doing is in my budget spreadsheet while I'm being accurate with my uh, paycheck that's coming in with the m- amount of money that I'm that's coming in. I'm also when I'm predicting forward, I'm rounding down in projecting my budget. So I'm counting on less money coming in and then making sure that my budget jives with that number. So then when there's more money coming in, it's bonus. And you know you're always going to be in the black. You're never going to rub up against or even go over and into the red. Um, so I always round those those numbers up. And similarly... When I'm putting aside money, we go back to secret number one, where I'm breaking big payments into smaller ones, and I'm putting aside that money, I'm also rounding that number up. So again, if your if your uh, if your house payment is two thousand dollars, well, maybe I'm not saving five hundred a week. Maybe I'm saving five twenty, uh, or 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 if it's that odd number again, and and you know you you need to round that uh, round that off, round that number you're saving up. Um, it's all playing with math is the idea. And when you put this into a spreadsheet, you start to see this stuff in action. You start to see how it, how it adds up. Um, secret number five, create a mini slush fund for unanticipated expenses. Now this is just a play on the old envelope system, right? Um, but anybody who has kids knows that they get invited to birthday parties. My daughter has three birthday parties next month alone. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so when you add those up, that's not an insignificant amount of money either. Um, we we have a budget line for gifts. Uh, it you know it's the gift fund and it's just an envelope in my sock drawer. Um, but we put money in that envelope every single week without fail, so that when one of those kid birthday parties comes up or something like that, we don't have to swipe the card for an unanticipated and unplannable expense because we're not keeping track of other kids' birthdays. Um, we just dip into the gift fund. Mm-hmm. So that helps out a ton with those unanticipated expenses. As, as, as hyper as I am about planning for everything, we've got that little slush fund to dip into for unanticipated expenses like those. Um, and by number five, and this kind of brings us full circle, time is your friend. Budgeting week in and week out for everything that you can possibly predict. Um, and taking advantage of those, you know, those five-week months where you get paid five times in a month, or if it's biweekly, three times. Um, time is your friend, and when you put it on a on a budget on, on a spreadsheet, and you see those numbers add up into that column at the because I do a total column on the on the right-hand side of the sheet all the way at the end of the year. When you see those numbers add up on that right-hand side. You'll see how much money you're spending, how much you're saving, how much you're putting aside, how much you're drawing down, however you set up your spreadsheet. Um, By budgeting week in and week out, you can accidentally build up larger amounts of money without feeling a lot of pain as you go. Uh, A good example is simply if you throw – I'll go back to the gift fund, right? We do $10 a week to the gift fund. Okay, if I did $11 a week to the gift fund, that's – that that's painless week in and week out, right? What's the difference between ten and eleven dollars? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the year, you got fifty-two. Now, fifty-two might be hard for someone who's on a tight budget to actually put aside in one lump. Um, but 
a dollar a week, not a big deal. Um, now multiply that for your own situation and turn 52 into 520 or into 5200 or whatever that is. Budgeting week in and week out and using time as your friend to allow money to build up is really, really an effective budgeting secret that I use all the time. So th those are my five. And a footnote here, you got to have discipline. If you're going to do this, you got to have discipline. You got to do it week in and week out. And you've also got to not dip in and go, well, it's no big deal. I'll just grab some money here and take money away from something that you, that it's intended for to go somewhere else. So discipline is the key. Now, all great points, Jody. And I'm glad, like you said at the top of the podcast, just to kind of let you go and strap in the seatbelt because those are very good. And I didn't want to interrupt. There was a lot of things that came into my mind as you were talking and I didn't want to interrupt your flow. So no, go ahead. I'm going to jump in. So uh, the one tip that you, you talked about was the, and I call it, I guess, the accrual. So I know you do it for the month, but I actually have accruals set up in my spreadsheets that account for real estate taxes and 529 savings and actually um, family savings. So it sort of combines with that set it and forget it mentality of if you, if you don't touch the money and you just kind of let it auto draft from one account to another, um, it'll be there when you need it. My, my wife does that very well. Uh, she's been doing that for a long time. That's a methodology that's been touted by another uh, financial author, David Bach, uh, where it's kind of, I think it's called the automatic millionaire. I think that's the core concept is, you know, letting these um, uh, these online savings and, and auto drafting certain amounts um, and budgeting certain amounts to different accounts. Um, I use all those things extensively, especially for taxes and for the uh, 529 plan. So every month we put a certain amount of money aside. So when the tax bill comes, there's enough money in the checking account to pay those taxes. Um, some people out there, and we'll, we'll probably talk about this in, in, in a future podcast, we're kicking around talking about home refinancing and HELOCs. One of the things I don't allow the mortgage company to do, and we've talked about this in other podcasts, is to let them pay my home insurance or my real estate taxes. I do that all myself and I pay the bills as they come in. So I set up my own accruals. Um, most of you out there are probably using, if you still have a mortgage, using the mortgage company as your uh, accrual. So you'll pay extra every month in for real estate taxes and insurance and, and the um, financial company will take care of it for you. Um, that's another story for another podcast that could go into detail as to why I don't do it that way. So stay tuned. Um, the other thing uh, that you talked about was cash is, uh, I kept, the, the, the phrase that came into my mind was cash is king. And I think it's a very smart way to do it. I wish I were more disciplined, Jody. Um, we don't have that methodology where we carry a lot of cash. Uh, in fact, I was just on business travel um, and I didn't bring any cash with me at all. For the business travel, it's got. Oh, to I never have cash in my wallet. That's the that's the funny thing here. <laughs> that's great. Uh, yeah, I never bring cash anymore. Um, I, I do have some of it around um, if I have to grab it, but I, as a general rule, I don't find a need for it. So, and we've talked about this. I run the household, or we run the household off of credit cards, but not in a way where we have balances at the end of the month. We pay that bill in full every month, and we've talked about that on previous podcasts. So I use the credit card card more as a tool to help me and my wife uh, understand and, and work through our finances. So those were the things that jumped out in my mind. And then the third thing that jumped out is you definitely have an extreme passion for it, Jody. Uh, does your wife have the same passion? when it, Does she go into the spreadsheet? Have you been able to get her to 
to double click on the spreadsheet and go into the spreadsheet because I could tell you with a surety my wife has never took it upon herself to double click and look into the spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah, same, same same situation here. She's looked at it and we look at it together occasionally, especially when we're trying to make decisions about, you know, larger purchases and things like that. But um, for the most part, she does not. And that is a very good point to bring up, Paul. I think that in uh, a partner household, whether it's, you know, you're married, you know, long term somebody, whoever that is, if you got more than one person in the household, you know, uh, you and your wife, you and your husband, whoever, um, somebody's got to be in charge. One, there's got to be one person who's in charge of all this stuff. I think you can collaborate together. You should be talking with each other. And you talked about, you know, both of your stuff and stuff in the bill bucket or stuff in the tax folder and things like that. But, you know, in our house, I am in charge of the, of the finances. I'm in charge of the spreadsheet and not because, um, I want to guard anything, but because you you just you got to appoint somebody to execute all this stuff and and look at it and manage it and make sure that it's coming out right. So um, you know I've got all the bills set up and the checking account online to you know to to pay every Friday when 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 money comes in. Um, I'm the one who's looking at the the spreadsheet to make sure that the balances are right and that you know we're not going negative on the checking account and all that kind of stuff. Um, you gotta appoint somebody to be in charge of this. Yep, that makes sense. And I think another word is also um, responsible. So if not using the word in charge, it's kind of responsible. But I think they go in together. So someone has to be responsible in the household to make sure that the numbers are being treated. And I always I have this phrase I say to myself: you, you have to have a high respect for the numbers, right? Because they're gonna, even though people will 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 say, well, money can't buy this or money can't buy that, money whether we like it or not, is important. And it, and it deserves a certain amount of respect, and it has an incredible responsibility in my mind. Money so, can't buy happiness, but a lack of it will sure make you miserable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there are a lot of def, – definitely a lot of different sayings out there about it. But when it comes to money, I think about responsibility, respect, um, the necessity of it. There's a lot of things that tie to it. So that's probably for another philosophical podcast. But uh, we'll jump into a few topics because we went deep um, and a lot of tips here. But there's a few other topics we want to kind of touch upon um, when it comes to budgeting, budgeting secrets, um, apps, pros and cons. Um, Jody, quite frankly, I haven't, outside of my own banking apps, I haven't found any apps to my liking that I could say I use on a regular basis. Um, and that's for, you know, tracking expenses or, or running your budget. I know there's a lot of stuff out there. And if you're using it, uh, please let us know what you're using. Post it on the Facebook page. But um, I, what is your take when it comes to budgeting apps? Yeah, I'm same same boat, Paul. I use the proprietary banking apps to do my business with each of those institutions. But I don't use an, an aggregator uh, and there are many aggregators out there that, you know, plug in your this account, your that account, and we'll show you how much you can save and everything. And that's for one simple reason, security. I don't want to give a third party um, uh, app my my routing number. <laughs> no, thank you. Yep, that makes uh, sense. Just, I just, I'm overly cautious in that regard. You hear lots of stories about fraud, everything from identity theft to um, – all kinds of you know online scams and things, and I just don't need to plug my my checking account, my savings account, my credit card number into a third-party app. I have no idea where it's going, um, 
and so I'll just keep it where it is. And 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 things are working great. I mean, I, that's the other thing too with apps, not only the security piece of it, but the more apps you set up, the more complicated it gets and and I think the more chance you have to accidentally fall down. So as much as we're talking about as I'm talking about and espousing the the value of detail here, keep it as simple as it needs to be for you. Because if you can't do it right, and that's the key here, doing it right, if you can't do it right, you're going to fall down and fall down hard. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. And, and I think um, I'm going to switch gears here, and I'm going to talk about, are there any unusual personal budget habits or tricks that you use? I, I can't think of any offhand other than my bill bucket, which I don't even know if that's a budgeting trick. But um, anything unusual that you think you, you touch upon in your, in your personal budgeting habits? I'm sure that someone would look at my budget spreadsheet and find a lot of unusual in there. <laughs> but um, I, I think I don't know if it's unusual. Um, maybe just the just the the specificity and the detail of it. It might be unusual. Uh, you know, I've made this joke before that you look at my budget spreadsheet and your eyes will cross. You know, and you get a headache. Um, but it works for me. Um, and, and it's, I, I think the, the, the unusual piece of what I do is, is I break so many payments down into weekly or bi-weekly payments and drafting that into a savings account. And, and I just started doing that actually with a lot more of my bills. Um, and so far I'm looking at it and, and it's amazing how much, how little money you need to set aside and how much it builds up by the end of the year, because, um, you do run into that, that time is your friend thing. You do run into that. I think this year there, we get paid bi-weekly. I think there are three months in 2020 hmm. where there's a third monthly, you know, a third bi-weekly payment in a month. So if you're budgeting week in, you know, or every, or every pay period, um, there's three times this year where we're going to draft a you know, a portion of a monthly bill into a savings account that's not going to get used. That's going to build up. Uh, and I'm really, it's not a ton of money, but I'm really excited about that. I, I can sense the excitement in your voice, which is great. I'm the same way. Um, I love those uh, those months where you get the three checks. I, I, I definitely look forward to those and there are these unexpected little surprises, even though we've earned every nickel of it. Um, it, and you know still... what you can do with that too? You know what you can do with that too is that can be – once you have that set up, that can be sort of um, like a like an incentivization for yourself and say, OK, when I get this money saved up at the end of the year, I'm going to buy this thing that I wanted. Um, and, and maybe if you make it to the end of the year, you can treat yourself. I, do whatever works for you. The idea being um, the, the, the money is there. Don't waste it. Absolutely. And, and a great point. Well, I think we're going to jump into the summary recap. And for me, I'm going to go back to what I said at the top of the podcast. And that is uh, the spreadsheet is your friend. Um, it's very flexible. You can make it what you want. Um, there's a lot of sites out there where you could learn how to use a spreadsheet and do it electronically. Um, you could get the software for free on Google. Um, if you use Microsoft Excel or you have a Mac, you can use numbers. Um, so you could Go from anywhere from paying for the software to getting it for free and just jump in and start putting your numbers into that spreadsheet and over time you'll iterate, you'll come up with different ways to look at your money and you'll find that it'll give you views into your finances that you never thought you could see before. Jody, what's your summary recap? Uh, happen to your life before it happens to you. 
take charge of your finances. This is why you and I do this every week, Paul, is just to pass on what we've done, the successes and the failures that we've had, and hope that it helps somebody else. Um, go out and take charge of your finances. Don't sit back and say, I don't have enough money or all the money runs out by the end of the month or, you know what, figure out a way to make the money not run out at the end of the month. You can do this. You've just got to sit down and focus on it and make it part of your, your regular routine. And because once you get it up and running, once you get a formula, I mean, this is not rocket science. You're not reinventing this every, every month. Figure out your budget, figure out how it ticks and then rinse and repeat. It, you can make it work. Great advice, Jody. Well, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today, and I'm personally looking forward to the next one. Thanks, everyone, for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Jody reminding you, managing finances can be stressful, but that's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well, and thank you. Thank you.